welcome everybody to Video Night Special Christmas Edition. I'm your host, Michael, and my co-host... Andrew. Andrew! Hi. So this episode, we're going to kind of talk about unconventional holiday movies, Christmas movies. I shouldn't stick it to just Christmas, but you know, holiday movies. Um, so I think mine are a little more mainstream. Yours are kind of like alternative, obscure. Yeah. Do you want to go yeah. first with your list or me? Well, uh, just... One after, like, let's trade off. You do one, I do one. Okay. Well, what was your first one? Alien Raiders. Oh, yeah. Which is okay, the movie that you I'm going to drop another name. Ben Rock. I know him. He's a he's a, a buddy of mine in um, the virtual world, but I've talked to him on the phone, so it's a little bit more real world. He uh, directed this movie, and he's part of the Blair Witch legacy. He directed a few Blair Witch episodes that were on television, uh, little specials, documentary, fake documentary, things that look actually rather legit and actually further the mythos of Blair Witch. Well, he got his big movie break from Warner Brothers, Warner Premiere, I think it was. It was a Raw Feed line, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Raw Feed. Um, And Raw Feed hasn't done anything since. But... Uh, my wife and I put on some video, some some DVD, and before the DVD played, they have the requisite uh, trailers. So we're checking out the trailers, and one of them is for Alien Raiders, which is a really dumb name for a movie. But it looked really different and interesting. And then it's all, Alien Raiders. And you're like, what? Okay, well, I'll check it out anyway. So um, we checked it out. We watched the thing. And I tweeted, um, Jemetsko, that's my Twitter, at Jemetsko. I tweeted that we just watched Alien Raiders, and holy crap, that was a pretty dang good little movie. And then, then Ben favorited that tweet and said something to me and then from that point on we have been talking you know or facebook pals and stuff like this but um the movie what it is is aliens have raided earth and they're shape-shifting aliens and there's a band of people who are in they they seek out these aliens they have a, a, a psychic guy who can read people and tell if the person is actually an alien or not and it's a siege film, and they lay siege to a supermarket. And the, the movie might have been called Supermarket. The movie might have been called Inhuman. Um, but Warner Brothers called it Alien Raiders. Alien Raiders. <laughs> and the, the DVD, the, the box cover is silly because it has a shot of the supermarket. And then it has this shot, like, it's a composite. So above the supermarket, in, in this night sky, is this, like superimposed image of some sort of cocoon alien-ish thing. You can't re- really tell what it is. Reminds me of The Fly, though, the cover of The Fly. Uh-huh. But above that is a UFO. And there are no UFOs in the movie. That's this is not... They, they came down by meteors or something like this. It's not uh, a space alien invasion with their alien technology. It came down in a... Sort of a science natural kind of way, but the movie is really, really great, intense, and interesting. It's, it's small budget. It's got a great cast. He does a lot of playing with sound and like you know, kind of tricky visuals to make you feel like you're seeing more than you really are. 
the same time, it, it creates all this tension because you're not 100% certain what you just saw. And it's a shoestring. So he he's like a lot of the greats that came before him. He has to work within the budget, and that really pushes creativity. And he really knows how to do that. And, so. you know, the funny thing is, I don't think you know this yet, but I'm going to be interviewing him next week. Next week? Yep, we're talking know. about the I whole just, Blair Witch thing, I, the Alien Raiders, yeah. the short films that he's doing. That's going to be cool. Just in I time for the holidays. I figured you were going to get an interview, but <laughs> yeah, I didn't know when. Yeah, and the funny That's, thing is, it's it's set during the holidays, but it's one of those movies that isn't about the holiday. Just it's it, at that no, time. Oh no, period. that's that's all right. We skipped. Uh, we we stopped talking about the holidays for a moment about the movie. Yeah, it's just, it's a it's a Christmas movie in the sense that it's set during Christmas, during December. It's December like fifteenth or twenty first or something. I forget twentieth. I think yeah, it's actually the twentieth because. My plan this year was to watch it on the 20th, but we'll probably be with my parents, and it's a rated R movie, and my parents don't watch rated R movies, so we can't do it. So it's set on December 20th. Uh, anyway, um, there's big inflatable Santa out in front of the store, so like it's obvious that it's a it's a Christmas era or time movie, you know? Yeah, and a lot of so movies, that's, a lot of movies on this list are like set during Christmas. They're not necessarily about Christmas. But it's kind of like a plot point, you know. It, it it's, yeah, it alters the movie by having it set during the holidays. It's also, I think, the location is Arizona somewhere, so it's not snowy or yeah, anything. Yeah, that's 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 unusual. They tend not to do that. Yeah. All right. Your movie. All right, Gremlins. Gremlins. <laughs> the okay. reaction from you is not that great. I absolutely love Gremlins. It's silly. As it is, and sometimes you question stuff about. Now, wait a second. What about time zones? What about like? Oh, right. Yeah, you know. What about uh, uh, daylight savings time? You know that changes things. Or you know, like they question even in the second movie. The second movie kind of parodies the first movie in that yeah, one sequence. Yeah, yeah. I like, actually love the second one. The first one is the reason why I don't like it as much or much at all is because. In spite of how great it is and interesting and all, all these neat things that are brought to it and the bonkers 80s magic, it it's also a feel-bad movie for me. I just don't feel really good when I'm watching it. Well, that sequence where she explains about her father dying in the chimney dressed as Santa, that's pretty depressing. <laughs> well, it's it's not just that. It's it's just the overall context of it. It, it has a sort of... Um, okay. Remember Spielberg in the early 80s when he did pol- poultry, when he did Poltergeist and Goonies. I mean, he produced these things and he produced, they all had this kind of, the kids, the children, not in Gremlins so much, but they were all in E.T. They were all like kind of cynical already. Yeah, yeah. Especially, much especially much about E.T. was cynical, and Goonies especially. And Poltergeist was less cynical, but that was pretty terrifying with the guy ripping off his face yeah. and the tree coming in and stuff like this. So there was a stuff that was like, it was just kind of feel bad. And it's just strange that uh, he expected, well, yeah, kids are going to be savvy enough for this. Some kids are, and some kids aren't. Um I guess maybe I was a bit more innocent. But I saw it at school while the girls were um, being taught about their bodies in sixth grade. They sent the boys off to watch 
they had two two days in a row in which they had this happen. We watched Police Academy two, <laughs> which has a topless scene, and it's a PG thirteen though, so that's okay. Yeah, awesome. um, mm. Police Academy two and Gremlins. So that was my first experience with it, and I was yeah, I like the gross, you know, special effects and stuff with the melting Gremlins, but um. In comparison to the second one, the second one really speaks to me because of because of the sense of humor is just turned up all the way. Oddly enough, I watched that in seventh grade in school. <laughs> <laughs> we cut it up over a couple of days of English class. I don't even know how that even had to do with English class. I guess we just had like movie week. Did you did you watch the version that had um, them changing channels? Um, the, I saw, I saw it in the theaters. Yeah, I watched it in theaters. Of course, I have the home video version as well. But when I went and saw it, it was in theaters, and it had the Hulk Hogan scene where he's yelling at the guys in the projector. I never liked that. No? It, it, do you like it? No, the, because, because it, it, I understand what they were trying to do, but obviously, you're not Hulk Hogan in my theater as I'm sitting there yelling at the people in the projector, in the projection booth. You're, it's a filmed segment, so I prefer the home video version. Or the cable version, which changes channels in the middle of watching the movie, <laughs> As and it goes John Wayne, John Wayne shooting, or yeah, he called varmints and so on. <laughs> but Gremlins itself, I like Gremlins a lot of it. The first one, it is totally actually a Christmas movie as well. That's a big thing about it. Well, isn't Maybe Gizmo the present in the with, first place? What Gizmo is the present, right, for Christmas? Am I wrong? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Gizmo's the present. Gizmo's awesome. I like him. Um, I have, I have some Gremlins too. The little like, plastic figures, the little ones, like no. This big? Well, actually, yes, we have one of those. But my wife's dog, uh, previous dog, chewed its ear, so it's got a little chunky ear. We have one of those little. That's from the first movie. Um, but I have one of those little hanging things uh, of. Gizmo hanging from the word that says the new batch or something or soon or whatever. Climbed into a, an abandoned movie theater. I used to have a ton of around. Gremlins too, like little figurines. And, and same thing, I used to have a ton of merch. I still have like a stuffed Gizmo somewhere around here, but I ended up selling off the rest of them when I was desperately in need. Maybe it's just the problem for for me that this the darkness of it is the darkness of the bad people, mainly the bad rich lady. But oh, Deagle, Mrs. Deagle, Deagle, Deagle. Yeah, her. She was just not nice, and then they they killed her, right? Yeah. Oh man, they there, shot her there, straight through the house. Yeah, there's a there's a few bits of like, well, PG. Well, yeah, the first movie is a lot of mayhem. Well, Gremlins and Indiana Jones' last, uh, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. Yeah. Those two movies are responsible for the creation of PG-13. Spielberg yeah, and I really like Temple of Doom, even as a kid. And now, I think it's my favorite Indiana Jones movie. But, um, yeah, what's wrong with me? Why do... I guess, I guess that one had a bit more fun, a bit more fun attitude, unless, um, we're all gonna die. <laughs> The if funny we don't is, stop gremlins. the two Gremlins movies are so insanely different. They're yeah. emotionally and mentally, like the the color palette, the design work. Because Chris Wallace did the special effects in the first one. Is it Rick Baker that did the second one? 
No, I don't know. I think it was Rick Baker. But yeah, it's just everything, the tone, everything is different. But the funny thing is the second movie, I still, I think is a better movie than the first one as well, but it also bombed and killed the franchise. Yeah, well, killed it, they're going to reboot it. Uh, Yeah, 25 years later, you know, if that ever happens. They keep talking about it. You ever seen that fan film on YouTube where a guy did his own Gremlins movie? It's only no. it's only five minutes long, but his special effects are so top notch. I'll send you a link. It's it's on YouTube. It's great. Cool. Um. So your turn. My next movie would be. Uh, come on, wake up. Um. Uh, all right. I'm just doing my my list is alphabetical. Okay. So Black Christmas, both from '74 and 2006. Seen I them? Don't like the 2006 version very much. It's too gory. Uh, so you are, are actually a bit squeamish. That's sometimes, not yeah. I mean, a bad thing. That's not like, a bad thing. I like monster goo, like tremors and the thing. You know, stuff like that doesn't bother me. But when it's like ripping people's ears off, baking them, and eating them, nah, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't want yeah, that. Cookie, cookie face, like the yeah. cookie shape. Of I the was kind of second actually. The gore is uh, pretty. Was that movie in 3D? No. Oh, I remember, I remember I mean, it scenes. had like okay. Ebert said once about 3D, like what's the point of 3D? Movies are shot in a way that kind of simulates 3D anyway. So that's a lot of these the scenes in, in Black Christmas 20, 2006 um, are shot in a way that would lend itself well to 3D anyway. But they're not. It's not a 3D film. Um, what I actually want to talk about are the different versions of it. The first one set up really cool. Uh, villain perspective that's the, the Bob Clark Christmas story amazing director. difference he he directed that he also directed Porky's all over the place with Turk 182 did you ever see and that he one? did he directed Karate Dog uh okay <laughs> <laughs> Baby Geniuses which I thought I dropped acid when I was watching I was like is this a movie am I okay I think I had a stroke <laughs> why are you even bothering because of Christopher Lloyd I get it um so Black Christmas, the first one had this. I guess it's similar to a Giallo and Italian slasher movies, where you don't see the face or of the villain until the end. But I don't remember. I've only, I think I've seen it once or twice. But I I don't remember being that blown away. And I did watch it because I watched. Uh, I was interested in the the remake of it. Um, the remake. When we saw the remake, we saw the trailer for it, and that hooked us. The trailer was really cool, and it had these cool scenes. It had the scene where the villain was on the ceiling, kind of in a spinny sort of way. Was it supernatural? Was it weird? That move, that scene was shot specifically for the trailer. I hate, not, I hate it when they do that. It <laughs> was not it. in the film, and we were trying to figure out where that scene would have been, and it would have been while they're at the house, not in the... I think while they're at the house... And not at the hospital. But there are two versions of the film as it is right now. The 2006 version. There's the European version, which is different at the end. And there's the American version. And the European version also cuts in a different way. It's like a different editing rhythm. I still prefer the the American version. Now, this is a love it or hate it type of movie. Michael, you don't. No. Like it very much because it's people monsters, not monster monsters. Sometimes, sometimes I like the movies, but sometimes I just I couldn't really get in the characters, and the gore was really insane. I just I don't know. I just didn't feel for the movie. 
Well, I do like that um, all the girls are very different personalities. I think I was pissed that Mary Elizabeth Winstead eats it pretty early. Am I wrong? Like, she dies fairly soon. I was like, Spoiler alert! Yeah, you're right. She does not... She she eats it midway. Um, but she wasn't the that go-to, you know, she wasn't the... It's Mary Elizabeth Winstead! Let's get her for that movie role. Ramona Flowers. She has, you know, she was an actor at the time. She had just come off of... Uh, Sky High, I think. Final Destination movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. Same guys, right? Production, same production team, yeah. not the same guys, though. Um, these guys were X-Files dudes. They did... Oh, crap! It's not even on my list. But they did Willard. Is that a Christmas movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't remember that at all. It's 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 set during the holidays. It's Yeah, that's why I just exclaimed. <laughs> Willard! Willard uh, with Black Christmas and Doom both. They're they're both psycho people movies. Yours. Okay. Uh, Bad Santa. I'm not so um, keen on um, jerks. I don't really like jerks. I don't know. I just thought the movie was really, really funny. That's about it. I just thought the movie was really funny. I saw it once and I don't remember it all. Did you see Badder Santa? It hasn't come out. Oh, 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 yeah. I actually own it on Blu ray. That's that's the director's cut. Yeah, for some reason I think you're talking about the sequel. The sequels which have been put off every single year. I don't know why they haven't made these. And now it's probably so late that no one even wants to bother. What well, it'll be like? It'll be like one of those um, American Pie presents. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't think that Bad Santa. He had a full arc by the end of the movie. You know, he is a rotten piece of crap in the beginning of the movie. He's completely broken down and mentally and emotionally. He's a drunk. He's a thief. <laughs> He's cruel to everybody, and um, you know. And then uh, you know, through the movie, that kid, that weird, weird kid, man, that kid is fascinating. How weird he is! Uh, yeah. You know, through that, he starts to grow a heart and change his mind and stuff like that. You know, it's a little cliche, of course. It's a holiday movie; they're gonna stop being such a jerk. You never see a holiday movie really end with a guy still being the same mean person. But yeah, um, maybe I don't know. Um, I, I don't. don't I, just, I just really like Bad Santa. I thought it was so funny, and and of course, part of it, I think, uh, you know, John Ritter's final role. I was a huge John Ritter fan, so that part of like sticks. Wait, in my mind. he's in that? Yeah, I forget. He's wow. the boss that hires. I like, I like John Ritter as well. I grew up on Three's Company. Three so that's runs. that's one of my choices. I always, it was, it's a good go to if you're looking for like that anti kind of you know darker comedy when it comes to Christmas. Right, it's really dark. Terry's Wygoff, man, he like digs deep into the psyche of this really screwed up human being, and everybody around him is kind of just messed up. There's nobody really that clean. Yeah. Wow. Your turn. Brazil. Terry Gilliam's movie, another Terry. Terry Gilliam's Brazil came out in 84, I think it was, or 85, and it was uh, maligned by critics, and then... Praised by critics, and it, it's had a it had a troubled production. So a bit like you know, David Lynch's Dune. At the same time, there's hiccups along the way to get it out. But first time I ever heard of it was um, Cinefix magazine. I found like it had all these photos from behind the scenes, and there's this dude with wings, but he was wearing armor and was flying around. There's this giant samurai dude. How does this sound Christmassy? It's set during <laughs> Christmas. That's the deal. All my movies, most of them, my movies, 
barring a couple of them, are set during Christmas and have nothing to do with them. <laughs> but uh, it is set during Christmas. But basically, Brazil, if you're not aware, it's about a guy who is a bureaucrat who uh, is mistaken for another guy who is a, a terrorist against the bureaucracy, the government. And um, they have similar names, Tuttle and Buttle. And um, it's his journey through a sort of uh, bureaucratic madness. And there's a lot of dream sequences. It's a surreal film as well. Hence the dude with the wings fighting a big samurai guy. Have you seen it? Yes, I've seen it a couple times. The first time I did not get it whatsoever. In fact, I thought, I was like, what is everybody so crazy about this movie? Because it was recommended by a friend. And um, I think I saw it about five years later and it just clicked. I finally understood it. I haven't seen it in probably about ten years. Sure. But when I saw it the second time, I was like, oh, I finally get this. Like you, sometimes your mindset has to be right in order to get a movie like Terry Gilliam's filmography, you know, or David Lynch's, or someone that's more complicated yeah. who doesn't just lay everything out for you. You have to kind of figure it right. out as you go. And I was just that right age where I finally, oh, oh, I get Terry Gilliam now. Apparently, another Terry Gilliam movie. Um, this isn't on the list, but this is just a brief diversion. It's. Um, 12 Monkeys is set during Christmas, too. I haven't seen that since it came out. I heard it's going to be a TV yeah. show. Yeah, they're doing a TV show. Whatever. I don't <laughs> mind. I don't care. Either way. You got um, the movie, so. Brazil, though, the first time I saw it was actually the TV happy ending version, and I was none the wiser until I got the Criterion edition, and there were all three versions, I think. There were three versions of the film on it, and, uh, yeah. It's a... It's a very chewy movie. There's a lot to to masticate and digest. A lot of movies se- around that what? time period seem to be like, oh, there's four versions of this. Like, how many versions of Blade Runner? How many versions of Wicker Man? <laughs> it seems like the movies that aren't that cookie cutter, that have a complicated concept or a complicated ending that people won't 100% be okay with, especially mm-hmm. if they're from overseas, they're feel. I feel like there's always like another version. Like there's oh, always the because two- producers are like, Americans are dumb. Americans yeah. are dumb when we want our money. So they cut these movies. Uh, we want and... more show times. We want more show times. We want a better ending. And then like later you find out like oh Nightbreed just got uh released and it has like three different versions. So I, I I watched the director's cut of Nightbreed. It doesn't hold up. No? Uh, it's it's got more. Nightbreed itself doesn't hold up. It's such a dorky movie. No, okay. I haven't seen it in a really long time. Um, is it my turn or your turn? Yours. Uh, the Raph. Dennis Leary. I rem- oh, The Raph. I thought you said The Raph. I was like, The Raph of what? <laughs> the Raph. Yeah, The Raph of Dennis Le- uh, Leary. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Here's my blockbuster story about The Raph real quick. Go ahead. Very often, um, people would come in and say, do you have Hilarious? What's the that? The box would be, it's. It's oh. the very top of the box. It says hilarious. And then it says Peter Travers or Roger Ebert said that or whatever. And then it says the ref down at the bottom. And it has the picture of uh, of uh, Dennis Leary and Kevin Spacey. And what's her name? Judy Davis. Judy Davis. Yeah, it has the picture of them. But at the bottom, it says the ref. At the top, it says hilarious. So people would always come <laughs> up and say, hey, do you have hilarious? Is hilarious in? And we would go. Oh, well, we picked up on it eventually, and we're yeah. like, that's called The Ref, and if there's no tape behind it, it's out. 
There you go. The ref. What's so great about it, Michael? Okay, so I actually have a little story to tell about this, too. Um, for me, okay, so the ref, it is a Christmas movie, but something about it, it's for me, I, I'd never seen a Christmas movie like this. It was always about elves or Santa or good feelings. and I mean, essentially, it, it comes out well in the end, but you almost feel kind of miserable in the beginning watching these people argue, and as it grows, you know, it... it you know, people start sorting out all these problems Wait, and feelings. What is it about, in a nutshell? What's the movie about? Uh, Dennis Leary's a thief who breaks into the house of Kevin Spacey, Judy Davis, and I believe it starts out with their son being a pain or whatever, and it's actually been a while since I've seen him, but he takes them hostage. And the funny thing is, he's there just to rob the place, but he ends up becoming almost like a marriage counselor, like a family counselor yeah. for all of them. Yeah. And then, and, then and it, in a very Dennis Leary shut the f up kind yeah. of way. And then the extended family shows up, it gets more complicated than the cops. And um, I remember, uh, we, I was in college, and my roommate was like really. My roommate was obsessed with Christmas. We had our room, which I, I mean, if you can see the room right now, it was just barely bigger than this. You know, a typical dorm room. You know, just, yeah. just enough for two people beds desks that's it yeah he decided to sort our room in such a way that he would be able to get a full-size christmas tree in our dorm room lights all the way around we had so many lights on our christmas tree that he insisted uh of course having on all night so it was like blinding Uh, i never slept and uh we actually got a call from the head of the dorm they thought our apartment was our room was on fire they thought our dorm was, room was on fire. Was he homesick? Was he a homesick? Yeah, guy? he was. He, I don't. He was so obsessed with Christmas, though, and mostly it's because he got presents, like tons of presents. He was very wealthy compared to me. Um, oh golly! But uh, he wanted to see Christmas movies like all month long. Well, we kind of ran out of movies, and I go, "Oh, I totally got one for you. It's not that old." Yeah. Just, you know, I go, "I went and got the ref. We watched the ref. Made it about a half hour in, and he goes, "I, I, I feel terrible. This movie makes me feel terrible." I don't like this. There's nothing <laughs> joyful about this movie at all. I was like, get to the end, man. Get to the end. You'll understand. And he never he never even finished it. And I was so bummed by this. Because I think it's a really smart, challenging holiday movie. It's not well, your hey, typical. It's, it's a sort of a just revenge, too, if you will. If, if it's something to be vengeful about is having Christmas shoved down your throat, then... The ref is a good revenge. <laughs> it is. I was getting a little sick and tired of watching. I mean, I love National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but on the thirteenth play, I've had yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I that's that's one my my wife really likes, and I saw that with my parents. Which at a, at certain points, as a kid watching that in the theater with your parents, you just kind of have to shrink into your chair for a moment <laughs> and hope that they didn't get the joke that you got. Yeah. No, um, the lingerie scene. It could yeah. be Hooter Hot yeah, yeah. it is in here. Right. That's actually the stuff right there. Uh, the stuff that I'm like hiding and I'm acting like I, I can't see. I have I'm blind now. Eyes <laughs> glassed over. I'm I can't see anything. Um, but for me that's a good alternative to the same cliche, you know, Christmas vacation, Christmas story, which are all fine movies. Elf, you know well, Elf hadn't come out at that time, but you know. Right, you know the same or Home Alone, you know, just something not so family oriented, something a little more mature, sophisticated, complicated than your typical mm-hmm. Christmas movie. Your turn. Yeah. My turn. Uh, this is a movie that you just watched recently. It's called Dead End. Yes, I just watched it. It's, uh, an- it's another bickering family film, but it's a it's a huge Twilight Zone episode, and it's something that we've all seen before, and where the end shows you 
what really was going on during the whole time. The summary ending, mm-hmm. what really was going on this whole time. I'm not going to spoil it. But it stars Ray Wise and Lynn Shay. Both amazing. Both of whom are just... They're so great. It has two other actors. Their kids. I forget their names, but they're very capable as well. Alexandra Wentworth, but, I want to say. But I don't remember the kid. I've never seen him before. But I've seen that girl numerous times. Yeah. They're they're on a road trip um, to or from a holiday get-together, I think, too. And uh, they see some strange happenings on the road and it's a, it's a wintry mountain drive. It's not, um, desert road trip sort of thing. It's, uh, there's trees and snow around and then they, they stop to help somebody. There's a bunch of jump scare freak out stuff or just some trippy, trippy stuff that, that happens and they're all confused. (laughs) And so are we when we're watching it, but it's, it's a fun kind of confusion. But it's also so, very one of those like really tightly budgeted. A lot of it's with the imagination. So it's it's more of an actor's piece than anything else. It yeah, feels it's like a character. Stage yeah, it is. It's like a play. You're right because it's a lot of the location. Really, a lot of the location is inside the the car, and then they're out of the car, and it's just in front of the car. <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially, you could put this on a stage. But yeah. I mean, not not that it's boring or anything. Uh, but it's no, just it's, it's really tight. All focused. the actors have chewy work to do. They 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 got a lot of meat. It's very dialogue driven. Um, but what did you think of it? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, the, you know, like I said, the, watching those two Ray Wise and uh, Lin Shay go after each other. You know. Yeah, they're bickering as things, as in the film build, quite a bunch. Yeah, I really, quite... really enjoyed it. And I was like, why aren't these two, like, you know, in more stuff? Why don't people talk about them? They're amazing. Yep. Okay, sorry. I got distracted for a second. Mine is, uh, well, there's, okay, so uh, Joel Silver and Shane Black have worked together numerous times. And yes. both have done tons of movies <laughs> based around Christmas. Not necessarily about Christmas. But set during Christmas. Yeah. Uh, Christmas Bang Bang is the latest before Iron Man 3. Right. Is that set during Christmas and I missed that? There are, Iron Man 3 is set during Christmas. That's Shane Black. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was his first direction. That's also Christmas. Yeah, I thought, for some reason I thought Shane Black worked on Die Hard, but he didn't. But Joel Silver no. produced that. That's set during Christmas. Lethal yeah. Weapons set during Christmas, which both worked on. Uh, Long Kiss Goodnight which Joel Silver didn't work on, but Shane Black wrote. So it's funny, yeah. between the two of them, they have like four or five movies that are like action-packed, and Christmas almost seems like a side note. But for some reason, it works. It really connects, especially at the end of Lethal Weapon when Gary Busey comes to take Danny Glover's family out on Christmas night, and he barges right through whatever, runs over the Christmas tree. Um, it's such a, I mean, it's a literal and emo- um, metaphorical invasion. Um, yeah. You know, stuff like that, and the fact that you really hard. don't expect this sort of mayhem to happen during Christmas time, and it's it makes it all the more tragic. Or there's a juxtaposition, right? And of course, Die Hard takes place during the Christmas party. Everybody gets together, supposed to be happy and jovial, and everything, then turns into a complete nightmare. And Die Hard Two, that's correct. Um, I don't. Long Kiss Goodnight. None Good of the other Die Hards have it. Long Kiss Goodnight is set during the holidays, but I don't think that's really a driving point of the plot. But I wanted to continue it because it's another Shane Black set during the holidays. Yeah. He must really like Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> he no, he does. He also did. Didn't he write um, 
the last Boy Scout, and that was Christmas. Wow, he really does. What's up with that? He, oh, he said, talked about that. Basically, what I say, he, he really likes to set things during Christmas, and it's it's like a, it's like a kind of a foil against the stuff that's happening in the story itself. The time, you know, we 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 romanticize or, or as a society we fetishize really Christmas and make it um, it's all about family and happy and we're gonna be happy this Christmas. <laughs> but but. In his movies, they're very um, mostly not happy. Even if the characters do stuff that make you laugh, um, "Kiss Kiss Bang Bang" is very much like that. Um, they the story itself is not very happy, even though it's set during the happiest time of the year. Right. Uh, so it's it is a juxtaposition. I'm pretty sure that's that's why he does it. So of those, yeah, of those movies, that's my my choice. That big chunk of movies. Your turn. Go. No, I just went. Oh, go. (laughs) (laughs) Go by Doug Liman. Um, John August wrote it. Doug Liman directed it. Doug Liman first directed Swingers um, with John Favreau. Just did uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which I just watched. What? Edge of Tomorrow, which he just did. Yeah. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow is super, super awesome. I can't get into that one because it's so good. We, right. I mean, talking about so it. We'll talk about it some other time. Um, but Go is a Tarantino-like film in which it's chopped up and you see different perspectives at different points, uh, little chapters in a way. Um, and it's fun, but it's also about drug abuse. <laughs> Getting drugs for a big Christmas rave. <laughs> and um, I'm not, I've never taken drugs. I've never been drunk. Um, I'm a square. But uh, the film is really fun. Oh, also, one of my favorite movies is Train Spotting as well. So I'm, I'm not averse to watching stuff about druggies or people trying to find drugs or whatever. As long as the film itself is a solid piece of cinema. And this one, for the most part, is. But I don't think anybody's that likable in it. It's just, I think how it's handled makes the story itself mostly likable. Well, if you look at Swingers, not everybody's that likable. Even um, John Favreau's character is kind of embarrassing. Oh, he's embarrassing. He's he's pathetic. In that he's not likable as a as a as a. I like that guy. That that's reserved for Ron. Um, Livingston, yeah. you like that guy in that movie. You like him. He's the only guy that you like. He's dressed as Goofy. He got a job at Disneyland as Goofy. Well, that's you're an actor. You're acting, right? Um, that's Ron Livingston, the likable guy. The rest of the character is not likable. Yeah. But the movie's fun. Oh, I love Swingers. Swingers is, well, it's so dated. Like, you watch it now and you go, oh, this is 96. I don't care. I wish it was 96 sometimes. (laughs) Just so I can be like, you know, the whole hipster thing. You know, let's talk about Swingers some other episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, uh, also, it doesn't hit the Swingers sort of, um, the swing dance, the the hep cat daddy-o stuff. Uh But it hits the rave scene and does a little bit for that in in a similar sense. And it came out in 99. So he just changed musical styles and got a bit more modern. Right. Um, but Go stars Katie Holmes, Sarah Pauly, 
Timothy uh, Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant, right? I was going to say that. Uh, Jay Moore, Scott Wolf. Those two guys are like the funniest straight acting gay dudes. Because <laughs> they, they are, but it, it's it's pretty funny in the movie, um, and it doesn't it doesn't uh, make fun of gay people at all. So it's it's refreshing in that sense because most of the time gay people are represented as like uh, comic relief or clowns in a way blackface for the gay community. Right. Um, and that's not the case here. But yeah, um, the confusion with William Fickner's character and his oh, yeah, setup. But yeah, that's there's a lot of like spinning head stuff. Like like what's going on? Who is? I, I can't explain it any better than that. But try to decipher what I mean. Anyway, go. Better off go. dead. Better off dead, which would have been on my list, but you told me earlier that it was on yours. So yes, <laughs> better off dead. I love it. Uh, it's only, not a Christmas. It's well, not a Christmas movie. Only a chunk of the movie takes place at Christmas, but it yeah, dives so full into Christmas. I love the fact that most of his presents were frozen meals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like a lot There's of frozen big meals. Stack of frozen meals. I, it's on YouTube. Everybody, if you can't get a hold of it any other way, just look up "Better Off Dead." It's on YouTube. Watch it. It is absurdity before the absurd was something to make. Savage Steve Holland did a trilogy yeah. of movies. He did this, uh, One Crazy Summer, which is almost the... like, in a weird way, it's a, almost a companion piece. because it shows... I haven't actually seen it. Oh, um, you know, same director, John Cusack, yeah. Curtis Armstrong, same absurd attitude. It's just a parody of a different type of team movie. Those two okay. are perfect together. The third movie um, has nobody from the previous two, and it barely got released. It's called How I Got Into College. It's still pretty good, just not as good as the other two. Uh, the, Anthony the Edwards. dark-haired kid. What's that? The dark-haired kid, right? Corey How I Got Into College Parker. has a dark-haired kid who was in Babaluga Luga Luga, Big Man on Campus. Yes, yes, yes. Corey Parker. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I kind of know. So Big Man on like, Campus, that's so hard to find. Uh, that's for our stupid good podcast. So <laughs> we gotta talk about it after this. Seriously, that's so hard to find. <laughs> um, yeah, but Savage Steve Holland, he he, uh, you know, with that movie bombing, he went on to create Eek the Cat, and he's been doing like kid stuff ever since. He's uh, doing a couple that's new movies. Bread and butter, do what you do. But I wish he would still make these absurd comedies or something so different about Better Off Dead than anything else at that time. Everything was either John Hughes style or Porky mm-hmm. style. And this came right. in like a live action cartoon. And yeah. It, it, well, even even some real animation in it. Yeah. There's it, a couple of animated elements. He Okay, well, what the story is about is about this kid who's lovelorn for his ex-girlfriend. Um, meanwhile, across the street at the, uh, the social rejects house is this beautiful french girl that's coming from france she's a she's a foreign exchange student and she played uh, uh one of the princesses in bill and ted first one um and he just has to get over his ex that's big chunk of the movie is him getting over his ex and then is it or is it him trying to kill himself for a good chunk of right, right better off dead is the whole thing of his his lame attempts at suicide, and every time he is about to kill himself, he's like, "Forget it, this is stupid. Why am I? This is dumb." And then something happens and makes it even worse. Um, 
but he bonds the another part of the film is that he bonds with the the French girl and all the hilarity and hijinks in between now the major subplot right is the the race down to K2 oh, yeah. the K2 um and that's a mountain and <laughs> this is set in southern in northern California and the mountain is always snowy always snowy oh, the streets yeah. are never snowy <laughs> so there's no snow anywhere and it looks like the when he goes home or school it's like southern california suburbia <laughs> that's what it looks like it looks like the but valley then, the, what the yeah. valley yeah yeah like, so and then you go like to the mountain or anywhere near the skiing concept the, the that part of the story and it looks over snowed <laughs> everywhere would be snowy including the suburbs where he lives or something but it's there's no patchiness, there's no, there's no thin snow. It's like full blanket. This is Alaska. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there's the scene um, where he's trying out and he gets challenged by by the bully jock snow guy, or the skier guy, uh, and there's just big big flakes of snow coming down. And he's just wearing like a, a sweater. <laughs> he's wearing a sweater. He's layered. Okay, he's got like a turtleneck and a sweater or something over it. But you know that that doesn't suffice. It's that that snowy. Anyway, talking about weather too much. Good movie. Better Off Dead is great. And it Chris, has a chunk in which it's set during Christmas. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the qualifier. That's here. <laughs> All right, um, your turn. My turn. All right, okay. So this hasn't come out yet, and I'm only going to talk about it briefly. Audrey Plaza is doing the voice of Grumpy Cat for Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever. It's a Lifetime original, and I've seen some trailer and back behind-the-scenes stuff. And she she says that when she did the role, they just sat her in the booth, and she watched the stuff, and she riffed. She did ad lib, and they just let her do whatever she wanted. That's crazy. Well, that's okay, so, they, 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 so the set situations in the film are set up in a way that lend itself for her to just go nuts riffing as a sarcastic grumpy cat who hates the holidays and that's why this would be something at least to watch once i want to watch it once it's not coming out until the like the end of the month november they should pay um, us for doing a promo for them or at least give me yeah cable they should for a totally day. <laughs> but it, i'm interested in it but it's totally like the template story is a sappy lifetime little girl christmas adventure movie is because a, the her her human character, the human character opposite the cat, is a little girl. So is this the first time stuff. in your life you've ever said you wanted to watch a movie on Lifetime? Yes. Wow. Yes, the very first Amazing. time ever. You are right. And maybe the only time, unless there's a grumpy cat too. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there probably will be grumpy cat's favorite Halloween or something. I don't know. Uh, you, you know what? Next. A midnight clear. Uh, very I, okay. unique. Ethan Hawke was in that. Who else was in that? Gary Sinise. Peter Gary Berg. Sinise, Ethan Hawke. Who? I want to say Peter, uh, Berg? Peter Berg, you know, the director. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to say Kevin Dillon. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's only a cast yeah, of like five right. or six people. And it's a very unconventional war movie. On, I saw it on cable, and it was so long ago. So yeah. I don't really remember it, except for a Midnight Clear, World War Two movie, young, cute actor guys, I guess. Yeah, it's it's basically it's very hard to find. I think I believe it's out of print, 
But uh, if you find it, it's probably up on YouTube or something like that. But it's a war movie, but it's not a war movie. It's more about relationships. And it's funny how how you perceive something and how being out there in the middle of nowhere with a small group of people, it can kind of screw with your mind a little bit. So a lot of the circumstances change because of how someone views a situation. I don't want to give it away because it's the ending. But also, it, it's... Ethan Hawke wants to make peace with the Germans that are just on the other side of this little area that they're in. You know, just for one night, just for Christmas. And how Correct. everybody can't come to the same conclusion. You know, how they, they think it's a good idea. You know, they argue and... what They're talking about just this little tiny group. But in general, they're talking about the whole war. And all yeah. wars in general. It's a very intelligent movie from Keith Gordon, who was the star of Christine... Yeah, he directed it? Yeah, it's uh, his second movie. Oh. He did it right after The Chocolate War. That's cool. It's a small movie, but it's very uh, intelligent. Very literal. Uh, lit- <laughs> I don't want to say literary, but because it's not from... I think it's from a book. You know what? I'm having a moment right now where I can't get what I'm trying to say out. <laughs> Jumble mouth. <laughs> Whatever. It's That's nice. Right. Go watch it. There. All right. Um, it's good movie. Uh, change of pace here uh, to um, horror... Sci-fi. <clears throat> what do you got? Uh, hardware. Oh, yes. Richard Mark Stanley's... 13 in the UK. It's called Mark 13. Um, it is the basis for the story. Now, I've read this little comic bit. It's from uh, 2000 AD. Uh, they, they took like an idea, and I think maybe the lawsuit was uh, maybe frivolous, but the lawsuit won. So, whatever. Um, they admitted that they saw this story and they built this bigger film out of the, the little concept. It's The concept is, uh, it's post-apocalypse, our cities, and um, the cities are, are grimy, industrial-looking things, and the weather is super ridiculously hot. Um, it's Christmas, and Dylan McDermott shows up after um, buying something from a scavenger, or actually kind of a pawn shop. He's a a soldier, and he just got back from whatever thing that he was doing to show up to his girlfriend's place. And he buys this skull. It's like a cool robot skull. And he's like, whatever, she's a sculptor. She likes to take this junk and whatever and do things with it. But it's an ABC warrior, uh, which, if you read Judge Dredd or 2000 AD, um, that, those are war robots that kill. Uh-huh. And, and uh, it's a, it was a derelict. It was found at the very beginning of the movie by a scavenger, and he just picks up the pieces. So he, he buys the hand and the head, and he um, takes it to her, and she makes a sculpture out of it with some... American flag motif on its on its skull. It's a really strange choice, but yeah, they hang out, and then the robot builds itself, rebuilds itself out of parts laying around and stuff, and then goes crazy. And it's a more of a Terminator, really Terminator, than the Terminator is. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw it that I was thrown off, and I didn't really care for how insanely grimy and dirty and dark i mean this is like the terminator but strip all the pop you know mm-hmm. pop uh mainstream like uh way of filmmaking this movie kind of just makes you feel like i need a shower afterwards 
<laughs> right, well, okay. The so the supporting cast his best friend is uh, like a druggie. Um, the guy across the way who played Porkins in Star Wars oh, okay. is a, is a total perv, and he's a he's a peeping tom. And Some he Hookins, uses binoculars, right? like William Hookins or something like that. I don't know. He was, was he also in ba- Batman. Yeah, Batman. Okay. Um. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not exactly a feel good movie, but since it's a robot rampage movie, it, uh, you can get beyond all the, the feel bad. Cause you know, it's totally not possible. And I'm pretty sure hardware is the very first movie that, okay. So, you know, the Weinstein brothers, they had Miramax and they also had dimension, yeah. but between yeah. Miramax and dimension, they had a company called millimeter films. They did maybe six, seven movies under that name. I'm pretty huh. sure Hardware was the first movie from that line, and they chopped the movie up, and they didn't know what to do with it, and they just kind of tossed it out in theaters with what little money they had. Yeah, so that, what I, when I saw it was was on E before E turned into uh, like a Desperate Housewives. Right, back of. when they actually provided entertainment. Remember, we used to watch that trailer show. You used to like, yeah, oh, this is, this is what it I'm was. Watching. It wasn't a trailer thing though, but yeah, it was around that time. It was. Um, it was this behind-the-scenes chunk, and I just saw the robot. They did some special effects scenes where they were just showing, like, the pulleys and levers that they did to operate the robot. And they talked to Richard Stanley, the director, a couple of times in the clip. And, yeah, uh, that's that whet my appetite for the thing. And then the thing came out. Now, you eventually saw it on cable. I didn't – I wasn't a big renter of – I couldn't – rent rated our movies or anything oh, yeah. so i would only find them on on um cable so i watched that and I, I liked it now the soundtrack is like stigmata motorhead stuff like that uh industrial and hard rock but not like your common hard rock lemmy is in it at one point he has a cameo lemmy from motorhead mm-hmm. and iggy pop does the voice of angry bob yeah that's kind of what he sounds like um He's the radio DJ. That was okay, folks, good. rise and shine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I really like the movie, all right? But it is a Christmas movie. In fact, the ABC robot, Mark 13, is a Christmas gift that goes awry. Have you Next. seen, now have you seen these other ones? Dust Devil? Yeah. Dust yeah. Devil is actually a long and windy one. It's not the easiest one to get into. But it's interesting. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that those are the only two movies he's ever done, right? I don't think he's ever... He's done shorts. He's done shorts, and he wanted to do something with Bruce Campbell. I remember that. I tell you, if they got Kickstarter going on that project, they probably would have been able to do it. Uh, uh, Well, right, he was kicked off of Island of Dr. Moreau. Well, yeah, that's kind of legendary. At at which point, uh, he decided to go to the makeup crew and get monster makeup or, or, or creature makeup done to him so that he could be on set and see what was going on while he was fired. Now, this is so. confirmed or just a rumor? That, I believe it's confirmed. I read it, and I think it was uh, uh, him saying this. Okay. So, if you can get an interview with him, yeah, talk I... about that and see if the, he can confirm it. Um, is it my turn? Yeah. Trading Places. This is more conventional. It's a mainstream movie. It's a huge hit. But the Christ- Eddie Murphy? Yeah, the Christmas part's kind of forgotten. I think a lot of people uh, erase, like, it's like the first 
45 minutes are completely set. Actually, you know what? The whole thing is Christmas set. I forgot. It's not over like a month span. But, um, you know, it's just one of those movies that I think people forget is about Christmas. But, of course, if you haven't seen Trading Places, um, it's one of those very early Eddie Murphy movies back when Eddie Murphy was funny, where he actually looked like he was trying, where Dan Aykroyd was at his, he was an A-lister still. John Landis. John Landis directed it? Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so before John Landis, I'm I'm not, I don't want to be mean to John Landis, but it seems that he hasn't kept his comedic skill. It did seem like it fell apart in the 90s. You know, the second Blues Brothers movie wasn't very good. The Stupids was, well, stupid. Burke and not is it Burke and Hare? Yeah, Burke and Hare wasn't even that funny. No, but it was still a turn actually towards the better if you look at his last chunk of movies. In fact, I think there was sure. he was so close to doing like cable movies. Oh wait, on. Dear Woman. He did Dear Woman, didn't he? Um, Cigarette Burns, not Cigarette Burns. Masters of Horror. Masters of Horror. Uh, Cigarette Burns was was another one. Carpenter. I don't know why I said that. That was John Carpenter's. But he did Dear Woman. That was actually funny. I don't even remember that one now. Brian Ben Ben. Oh, well, I need to revisit that series. I forgot about that. Is that his name, Brian Ben Ben? The one from, from Dream, Dream One. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So Brian Ben Ben is a, a investigator, a police, and he's investigating a bunch of crimes done by what looks like a deer. But the movie, the the short movie, is called Deer Woman, and it's actually funny. So that, yeah, he 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 still has it when he has it, but I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't need it. Yeah, but Trading Places is, like, right at the peak of his popularity. Same for all three of them. And they're really, like, their creativity was on top. Jamie Curtis, of course. Most people know that movie because Jamie Lee Curtis is nude. Mm, I see. (laughs) But beyond that, it's a really funny movie. And it's have you seen it? You've never seen it? No. No, I've never seen it. Basically, it's like... uh, Throughout the 80s, I won um, up to 85. I was in Europe. So after 85... I caught stuff on TV. I couldn't rent rated our stuff. Um, so I missed a bunch of stuff. So to break it down, it's basically like Prince and the Popper, except they don't look yeah, like, okay. you know, you just take Eddie Murphy who's extremely poor, uh, Dan Aykroyd who's extremely affluent, and these two old guys decide to make a bet with each other, their brothers, to say that we can make this guy in his place and take him and put him in this place and see how they they play out. So they take everything away from Dan Aykroyd. Everything. Uh-huh. And he becomes homeless and completely broken down. And they turn Eddie Murphy into the head of this company, whatever, and watch them two just go at it. But Dan Aykroyd, they don't expect to completely, absolutely lose his mind. But with the help of Jamie, uh-huh. like he goes completely bonkers. Jamie Lee Curtis kind of brings him back to reality. And then he works with Eddie Murphy to put out this plan to take down these two old guys. Because uh, they figure it out. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. All right. Um, your turn. Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, my this God. Is more, this is more a New Year's movie, but it's set on all of December. And um, uh, maybe maybe the Christmas angle of it is is skimped over because it's the Coen brothers, and they're a couple of Jewish guys. So they, it's not their culture, maybe. Maybe it is. But it doesn't necessarily serve the story to make it a Christmas movie. And they but co-wrote it, it with Sam Raimi. A fable. It is a fable. What would you say? They co-wrote it with Sam Raimi. Yeah, they did. So, but it is a fable. And it's it's set in the wintry big city about a country bumpkin from Muncie, Indiana, who, uh, the moron from Sheboygan. And sorry, there's too many great lines <laughs> of this in this movie. 
Uh, it's really quick talking. It's a it's a the it's a movie itself comedy, kind of is a reference to the old movie old movies from the early forties where all the all the dames are quick talking dames, you know, and all the guys all the guys come on see those types of uh, quick dialogue. Um, but it's about um, wearing Hudsucker who kills himself dives off the forty fourth floor forty fifth floor not counting the yeah not counting the mezzanine, counting the mezzanine <laughs> right. Um, so he kills himself, and then the uh, what Paul Newman, right? He's the second in command, but he has to actually secure being second in command. So he tries to get a proxy, a, a proxy, proxy upon. so he can push oh. the proxy around. <laughs> so that's the Hudsucker proxy. Hudsucker is dead, but the proxy would be Tim Robbins, this well-meaning country bumpkin, comes into town, gets. Has to deliver a letter and gets just put in uh, charge of the company, and he makes the hula hoop. And he does it though to bring down the stock, to bring it down yeah, so low that so Paul he can Newman buy can up t- all the stock. Right, but it goes wrong because he creates the hula hoop, which becomes a national sensation, and ends up you know so much for kids. <laughs> Everything is a circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah, seriously. Like, like later, he's he's uh, accused of stealing this other guy's uh, invention, which was for a straw. And like, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, <laughs> hey, buddy, 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 hey, buddy. That guy. <laughs> I I love the movie, but it is it is a fable because it has some supernatural elements to it. Um, it also has um, the magical black man. Yeah, old old wise magical black man, and it has the nefarious. Is he might be magical? White uh, henchmen—they're both bald or balding, and they they fight each other in the clock. <coughs> I absolutely love this movie. Everybody is at top of their game, and it, Steve it, Buscemi's got a bit in it. I'm so I was so disappointing that the movie bombed. I mean, bombed hard. It's their most unsuccessful movie, I believe. It cost like forty million dollars. I think it made two, two and a half. Which is well, it was it was made after uh, they did Barton Fink, which was a moderate success. And um, I went and saw Barton Fink with my best friend from high school, and he didn't like Barton Fink at all. And I dragged him to see Hudsucker Proxy, which he did like, but he was like, "I don't want to. It's by the same guy that did Barton <laughs> Fink." And yeah, all of my somebody else's talking voices are either blah 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 blah, blah or there there there. So, and they're all accurate, by the way. <laughs> um, no, yeah, Hudsucker anyway. Proxy was a regular watch in uh, the dorms. I'd always find these yeah. movies that were kind of peculiar and have my friends watch them, and it become like a cult thing. Like, then we just get, bring more people, more people. And we had about 20 people who were like hardcore. We'd watch it like every couple months, like just once every yeah. two or three months. Ask me five, ten years ago what my favorite movie was. And I would say Hudsucker Proxy. I won't now because there are a lot of movies that are really great and they all vie for the same spot. I don't have a favorite But it's anymore. it's a movie that deserves to be seen. It, it, it's, yeah. it's something that's been buried. In fact, I don't even think it's in print. I think the only way you can get it is uh, you know if you go to that Warner Brothers page and they do print on demand, which will cost you a fortune. Are you sure? I think. I'm pretty sure it's out of demand and that's the only way you can get it is from the WB shop, which is also available on Amazon. I am going to look. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, as we... No, it's on Blu-ray! But is it print on demand? 
No, it's on Blu-ray. It's a, uh, it's like thirteen, fourteen, forty-nine right now. I have a lion. Only eight. Back. Only eight left in stock. Oh boy! Any extras? Uh, uh, I don't know if there are any extras, but um, there are a bunch of new and used. There's like twenty-six, but. All right, I'm getting it. I lied. I thought it was out of the print. I thought it was. Uh, you didn't lie. You were uninformed. Oh, that's right. Ignorant. Your turn. Wait, no, it is. Uh, that, no, was... that was that was one that Sorry. we both like. Both uh, yeah. had on our list. Go. Oh, well, hold on. It's a New Year's Eve movie mostly. That's it. Go. Okay. Santa Slay. That's on my list too. Insanely gory opening. It's so absurd, so outrageous. The opening is actually really why the movie is so good. Because the rest of the movie isn't okay. nearly as good as the opening. The The production design is very strong, though. For a movie that costs, I think, what, $10 million? Produced by Brett Ratner, which is probably the only reason it got $10 million. Because it is a pretty yeah. insane idea. But the, I, I love the look. The Rankin-Bass cartoons, you remember those? Yeah. The, they're not cartoons, ladies and gentlemen. Stop they are stop-motion animation little short films. Rudolph, um, Island of Misfit Toys, those things. Uh, the Year Without a Santa Claus, I think. But Frosty is animated. They did that Frosty, one. that one is. I mean, they did some animated stuff, but I'm talking about those little, right, little um, right. stop-motion things. They do a very accurate bit in the movie. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie as well, is the, the retelling of why Santa is whatever, etc. And it's all done in that way with the little uh what's that game called? The the Canadian game where you throw the stone oh, and curling. crush the ice. Curling. Curling. Curling, yeah, that, that little part where it's animated, it's really accurate. It's very accurately animated, like those old things. Yeah, the movie What's does. The, story? the movie does drag a bit. Well, it's about uh, Santa coming back after years. He was cursed, right? He lost the game of, cur- uh, of curling. He was a demon, am I correct? Yeah. And then he loses the game of curling, and then he is required for a long, long chunk of time, which very, very, <laughs> it makes him very angry uh, that he has to do it for so long. And he's finally uh, released from that curse, and now it's time for revenge. So he goes about pretty much destroying every single thing in sight. And he's got to get to the offspring or the 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 descendants of the the champion curling guy that beat him. I want to say his name uh, is Doug Smith, who is the star of Ouija. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Doug Smith is in Ouija, and he looks the same. I know it's weird. That movie was ten the years ago. The boy doesn't age. And um, from I Spy, what's his name? Uh, he's the star Robert of I Spy. Culp. Thank you, Robert, Robert Culp. Culp is the grandpa who helps. Robert Culp is, is awesome. I like how he acts. He's really cool. And um, Bill Goldberg. Emily Ravine in this movie? Oh, right, from Lost. Yeah. That's why I know what that movie is, because at the time I was a huge Roswell fan, and that's why yeah. I picked up Santa Slay. Roswell. You said Lost, and then you said Roswell fan. She's, why? why no, Roswell? She's on both. She's in both? Yeah. Technically, she was also on Beastmaster for a small arc. <laughs> what? Beastmaster, oh, the series. Australia, I guess. Yeah. The Raven, right. The Raven. The Raven. Emily the Raven. Uh, yeah, okay, so the movie is really kind of dumb and, and broken in parts. Um, and we were going to try to do this tradition where we're going to watch that every year. Uh-huh. And we did it two years in a row. The second year, we were like, let's not do this next year. <laughs> because it's just really not as good if no. you keep 
watching it over and over. Every it's not a Hudsucker proxy or something. I've it's, only seen it. Doesn't twice. lend itself to rewatching year after year. I'd say give it a five year break between. Yeah, Better Off Dead was my Christmas tradition. Every single Christmas we would watch that movie. Even though it's not I had bet, I had Better Off Dead in my DVD player at one point. And every time we turn on the TV and the DVD thing, mm-hmm. um, Better Off Dead would start up. Not even the movie. We wouldn't even watch the movie for a long time. It would just start up, and then we have to change the, the HDMI one or whatever. Um, and I would just like, oh, shut up, Better Off Dead. <laughs> but it's just the very beginning, <laughs> like the 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 fanfare that the studio had. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, your turn. My turn. Uh, let's take a look. I feel like we're opening presents. Your present. My present. <laughs> hey, see? I, yeah. Okay. Right. You're right. Uh, Night They Saved Christmas. This is a nostalgic one for me. I don't know if it's... Is it on YouTube right now? Do you know? Uh, more than likely. It's easy to get, though. I believe Mill Creek now owns the rights or Echo Bridge, and they put on a bunch of collections. You can go anywhere, and it's like, oh, $5 to get these four Christmas movies. Now, the Night They Saved Christmas stars Art Carney as Santa, and... Um, it's about basically a family trying to stop the husband's bosses from drilling up in the North Pole. That's right. I haven't and, seen it in a really uh, long time. Only, only the little boy knows the truth first, and then he has to convince everybody else. Now, it's very conventional. It is not unconventional, but it's obscure, and it's a made-for-TV movie. And when I saw it, though, I did see it in the 80s. And I really quite connected to it. Maybe because I maybe felt like the kid. Nobody loses to me. Whatever. I, I like, don't know. I like Scott and Grimes. I also thought Jacqueline Smith was pretty lady. She pretty. That's it. But yeah, <laughs> it's a, It's not a lot more to talk about. It's yeah. got some special effects, adequate for television. So Is that the only PG movie that we have? <laughs> or PG movie that should be PG? Hot Sucker Proxy. Oh, right, right, right. And technically Gremlins, but that should be PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a couple more on my list. You know uh, what? One more. I'm gonna skip the last two. They're just like, oh, Batman Returns set at Christmas, Rocky Four set at Christmas. I'm done. Oh, okay. That's, uh, there, that's there's, nothing okay. Really, there's nothing really special to talk about. Those aren't that obscure, and uh, they're not really about Christmas. But I was just bringing them up. My last four are Prometheus. You couldn't get through Prometheus all the way. But that is actually set during Christmas. And it's made mention, actress Alba, the pilot, is setting up this little Christmas tree. And she's like, why the heck are you doing that? And he's like, because it's Christmas. Well, so? Like, eh, morale. We we have to still connect to where we're from. Yeah. So, I, have, I just have to take the time and be more patient with it. Because it's high-minded. And sometimes my brain just isn't prepared for it. It's like, this goes something dumb. Yeah, you, you should get to the payoff. Uh, there is still some, why aren't you running to the side? But I don't know. You guys who cr- critique this movie, criticize the, the actions of the characters, perhaps maybe go to another planet and be on that other planet or something, and then maybe you'll panic when something bad happens and not make a right decision, you know? Yeah. we can't. Because no, I think so maybe in. that's what it was. Yeah, they made dumb decisions because they're panicking. So anyway, uh, next one. Rare Exports, a Christmas tale. Excellent, excellent movie on Netflix. This is this is a total Christmas movie, but it's also um, really dark. Similar, similar to Santa's sleigh, in that you know 
Christmas, Santa isn't what you think. <laughs> uh, the elves are a bunch of naked old men that are really creepy and they're almost like zombies in that they swarm. The movie's um, terrifying. I think I, yeah, I was watching it all by a, myself in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh, this is, it's really unsettling at times. But well, it's a it's a it's from a short. These guys, they started their thing like a lot of horror directors do uh-huh. by making cool little shorts. And it's from a short called Rare Exports, which was just uh, kind of a reality sort of documentary looking thing where they're talking to the camera and, and telling them what they do. And what they do is they hunt Santa. And it's a more of a joke. Right. And then you get this movie, which I bought my wife, but it's also on Netflix. So we got to watch it again. I've only seen it once, but the movie itself is an actual film. There's no, there's dark humor in it, but there's no, like the joke isn't we're hunting Santa. Ha ha ha. But Santa is a beast. A bad thing. Do you know what's funny? It's what? Do you know what, who released that movie? Uh, yeah. Uh, Oscilloscope. Yeah. But that's owned by the beastie boys. Yeah. I just thought it was yeah. kind of interesting that that was one of the movies they released. And they, uh, all the movies they released are usually like kind of... Art films, uh, documentaries. Yeah, this is probably the closest I'll ever come to a mainstream movie because it kind of has the same beats and rhythm. But yeah. it, it is unsettling. But at the same time, isn't it... If I remember correctly, I haven't seen it a couple years. It doesn't have kind of like a dark comedy feel to it. It's sinister humor. It's it's not like um, Cable Guy dark comedy. Right. Yeah. You know? But it has it's uh, like the howling. Of, it does have humor in it. Yeah. If Joe, if Joe, it's like Joe Dante's kind of sense of humor, like he had with the Howling or me, the first Gremlins. You know that kind of much darker though. Yeah. Yeah. It's Scandinavian as well, so it's it's got to be darker. Yeah. <laughs> These guys. <laughs> All right. Next um, one. I have two more. I'm gonna go for the Dutch one, Saint Nick. You saw this. It's on right. Netflix as well. And this is actually a lot more conventionally humorous, like. What you're saying, the uh, thing is, Joe Dante. I, sometimes what? I get to sometimes I get the two movies confused. Okay, Saint Nick is the one set in Holland, and there's a there's a Dutch tradition of uh, Swart Piet, uh, which is Black Peter. Um, he's the Saint Nick sidekick. Uh-huh. I lived in Holland for uh, for uh, what four years maybe, and I don't even remember this Dutch tradition of Black Peter, but he's a sidekick. So. When you watch this, there's a bit of, um, in English especially, there's a bit of culture shock. You're, you're just going to have to roll with certain things in this film. Yeah. But St. Nick is also a bad guy. But this is not Santa in the Santa suit. This is St. Nick in, with the Catholic attire, the pointy hat, and the big cane. And it's kind of a headless horseman situation. Right. Isn't that the one where he's chasing him down the road? Like he's literally like on his horse, and he there's like a like a car chase sequence. Why well, do yeah. I have memories of these movies? I remember enjoying them. For some reason, I think I've seen too many movies, and you mm-hmm. know how your brain kind of pushes out bits and pieces of other movies. Yeah, you only have snippets. Yeah, um, it's made by this director named Dick Moss, M A A S. I know that name. He directed he directed Amsterdam. Oh wow, the old Canon Pictures movie. <laughs> He directed Amsterdam. He directed The Lift, which was later turned into The Lift, and he redirected that in 2000 before Naomi Watts took off. Ah, and James Hurley, Naomi Watts about a. It's great. It's also known as The Shaft. Huh. Um, 
and it's about that one's bonkers and silly. So he's he's a silly director. Um, it's about a elevator that kills people. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the, the- or seeing that in the video shelves, and it was called the Shaft. Where I the saw the Shaft. It. Yeah, and, yeah, like, and wait, shaft, can, the shaft. Oh. Yeah, right, the shaft, the shaft. And when it was re-released or released over here, they tried to make it look like the Ring kind of cover. It was terrible because she's in it. Yeah, but uh, the movie's fine. Leaving off with, uh, well, this is Saint Nick is just kids fighting Saint Nick. It's pretty good. For if I remember right, yeah, it's I remember actually pretty both. fun though. Um, you know, there is one I wanted to add, and it's. Go ahead. it's Besides Better Off Dead, this is a Christmas perennial. Um, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a Christmas movie, but it's set during that time period is Grumpy Old Men. Oh. That one okay. I will watch on a regular basis. Uh, I just, you know, they're, they kind of go at each other, like the way Jack Lemmon mm-hmm. and Walter Matthau tend to do. But this is like taken to a new degree. And I love the fact that I have never seen those two before. I had never experienced The Odd Couple or any of their other movies. Oh. I actually, I don't think I've ever seen even... I had seen Dennis the Menace. Walter Matthau was in that one. But I never experienced either one like in any other movie. I never even saw Bad News Bears. And I saw Grumpy Old Men. And it was just this introduction to a whole new world for me. Because that allowed me to go back and watch movies from the 70s and 60s and 50s, whatever. And then because of that... Okay, so that was your introduction. To older movies. So that's part of, like, I have an affection for that. And that was the very first review that I ever wrote for the school newspaper was for Grumpy Old Men. Um, you know, I, I love the sequel, but the first one, there's something just, I don't know, emotionally, I think I have a stronger connection to it. It's a really good movie, though. Um, yeah. But it's also, it's kind of around that Christmas period, New Year's or whatever. So I just want to throw that in. All right, cool. The last one I have on my list um, is another one that I've tried to do as a tradition, but can't as well due to some kind of awkward direction points and stuff. But it's Scrooged, Bill Murray Scrooged. I am not the biggest fan of Bill Murray's. I'm not. I think he's overhyped. I think as a person, I think he's a lot cooler than he is in his movies. But Scrooge, I think, is pretty cool until it starts smacking of the early 90s. Late 80s, early 90s. There's just certain things that just are painfully so much of that era. I'd have to see it again. But there's... A whole lot. What it is, ladies and gents, it's a Christmas Carol. It is a Christmas Carol, um, and it's about a, a TV exec. Uh, he he runs a station or owns owns a station, and um, they have their big Christmas shindig. But he's skimping on every turn. He's become cynical. He's become greedy, and it's about his heart warming eventually. Do you know what my favorite part and, of that movie is? What? What is the little mini film at the very beginning with Lee Majors and that Uzi yeah. taken down, like, trying to save Santa? I just love that part. And then Mary Lou Retton, right. and uh, Robert Goulet, Christmas on the Bayou. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, Christmas on like the Bayou, <laughs> and he's he's singing like sleigh bells ring, whatever, and he's on a he's on a little boat with this big uh, big stick pushing the boat along the bayou. But he's looking at it's, the alligator too, like, uh, I gotta go. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, the night the reindeer died. That's, that's, that's yeah. Cool. And that was the last gasp of that first run of um, Bobcat Goldthwaite. Yeah, and Bobcat was great in it too. He's the guy that's fired. He's a Bob Cratchit character. And then it was like um, four years until we got to see um, 
Shakes the Clown. And that was kind of like the turn in his career. But he still struggled for so long until just recently. But Scrooge was the last time that he was like an A-list movie. Yeah, you know? they like put Bobcat in it. And he did, he did a good job. He's, he did. He was very good. Like the whole movie is pretty cool. But if you watch it now, there are going to be things, if you're a young person watching it now, that you're just going to be like, that's corny. Yeah, I remember when it came out, there was so much hype about it, and I I just saw numerous reviews and people talking about it, and it's weird that I I was watching reviews at 11, but I did. Um, Like, they were just saying it was an overblown mess, that Richard Donner just went too big, you know, he didn't retain the humanity of it. I think time has kind of welcomed the movie a little bit better, you know? Yes, it has the spectacle, but... The hype is gone, so therefore the movie can just sit on its own instead of tons of commercials and talking about how much it costs and stuff like that. Because I think at the time it cost $40 million, which is a lot for a comedy. Huh. It's, get, it's got some big special effects. It's got some puppeteering monster sort of things. It's got a big skeleton dude. I love that Grim Reaper when he opens it up. Yeah, as Rip Cage is blah, 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 whatever, singing ghouls. Um, uh, a zombie, Robert Forsyth, is that his name? Robert? Right. Richard, well, Robert. you know what? I get them confused. William Forsyth? Robert Forsyth? It's, whatever, from Dynasty. Yeah, Robert, I, I think. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's like uh, so... His makeup is great, actually. He's well, very dusty. He's what's a the dusty name, corpse. What's the name of the guy that's the cab driver? He's saying that doo-doo, uh, Buster Poindexter. Yeah. Do you um, yeah. For some that's reason, not his real name, but yeah. For some reason, they thought they were going to turn him into a movie star after that, and they made that... Uh, <laughs> Car fifty four. Where are you? Which sat on the shelf for I think four David years. David Johansson. He David was Johansson. the lead singer of uh, the New York Dolls. That's right. Buster Poindexter was that alternate, like that weird that's, personality. That's his alternate personality. Hot, hot, hot. I'm hot. You're hot. <laughs> I guess. But yeah. He he's a he's a he's been an aviator. He's been in tons of stuff. Get him to the Greek. Maybe that was just soundtrack. I don't know. He's been in thirty seven things though. Anything else yeah. to say about Scrooge? No, well, it's it's good, Bill Murray. It's not just. I guess he's he is on autopilot, but his autopilot is pretty good. But I tend to like Bill Murray when he does like Moonrise Kingdom or something like that. Yeah, I, I think as I got older, I I actually think he holds back Ghostbusters. Does that sound like blasphemy? No, no I I told you this recently. It was in Ghostbusters Two, a Christmas movie, by the way. Um, I believe it is. If not, it's a December tale anyway. Yeah. Um, um, I think Ghostbusters, the, the series that those, that it even exists is just weird. The, the animated when series? It, no, no, no. The, the two movies oh. that came out. That they even exist is weird. That who, who they pitched it to? Like, was everybody on cocaine? And it was $30 million. $30 million. And they pitched it, and then somebody signed off on it. It's not, as a kid, it is totally a kid-centric film. Kids like to see that weird stuff. It resonates with kids, but it wasn't made for kids. It just wasn't a PG comedy horror movie. It wasn't made for kids. They had so much adult stuff in the first one. Yeah. So, it's just weird how they even got it, that they even got it made. Here's the pitch. Oh, uh, hold on. I just did some coke. What was that? Uh, whatever. Just sign well, up. Also, fine. special effects movies were everywhere, and anything that had like a, a high visual kind of idea would get greenlit. Because there's no way that Crawl would have got greenlit like 10 years later. No way. <laughs> right. Right. 
I'm gonna look up Ghostbusters two right now. I thought it was on New Year. I thought it was set on New Year's, but of course, New Year's is only a week after Christmas, so it probably is between the two. Because actually, no, I think it takes place over a longer chunk of time. Because I know it ends on New Year's, because that's when they're all in the you know celebrating and you know the Statue of Liberty goes walking. Yeah, and it has the feel good song that everybody sings. I'm 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 looking at the keywords. I don't have to watch the movie in like a, <laughs> a blip a blip ver- version of the movie. <laughs> oh yes, it's in my head now. But yeah, it's right there on the keywords for Ghostbusters too. It's a Christmas movie, so. Do you like the second one as much as actually? Do you? Yeah, I I don't dislike the movies, but I do like the second one. I think a bit more. I remember. And it's weird. A lot of people think the second one's a turd the only thing i don't but... like about it is uh the villain the villain just didn't interest me at all vigo is that his name yeah and yeah. uh peter vigo the carpathian peter uh i'll say peter scolari that's not right uh you know he's from ally mcbeal you know dragon slayer um yeah I couldn't get into his character as I got older. Peter McNichol. Peter McNichol. Like, I thought he was a hoot when I was a kid, but I tried to watch it a couple years ago, and I just sat there going, uh, I don't I don't care about whatever your character's doing. It seemed like it was so insanely over the top. It is a comedy, I yeah. know that, but yeah. at the same time, I just couldn't ride that train anymore, so I just kind of said, eh, I'm not, I, I couldn't sit those movies anymore. I just like the, basically, the slime aspect of it, <laughs> and I think kind of clever, um... I was a kid at the time, anyway. I think it was kind of clever that they roboted the Statue of Liberty with the slime, positive slime. Yeah, I do like that. Um, I do. I thought the um, the tunnel, like the whole thing where they go down the slime and they end up yeah, in the tunnel, that was fun. really scary, but really clever, too, at the time. I thought the, the and, second one was scarier than the first one. And um, the, uh, the cameo by Bobby Brown. Oh, yeah, that brief moment where he was popular. His song is nowhere nearly as good as Ghostbusters theme song from the first movie. Ray right. Parker just nailed it, and that was his only hit. So, uh, yeah, that's like it's um, Huey Lewis. Thank you. Were we Huey Lewis Sudum. Were we talking about this before? Where it has the same no. beat? There's an actually another song. There's there are a couple of songs. It seems like a song earlier than the Huey Lewis song had similar Huey Lewis things. Um, new drug. Uh, and I, so I'm like, how did how did Huey Lewis get away with suing Ray Parker Jr. while Huey Lewis ripped off a riff <laughs> on this other song for yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, that's our um, last Ghostbusters Two is a Christmas movie. All so right. if you guys wanna, this is our list. All right, that's it for us here at uh, Video Rewind. Or no, it's not Video Rewind. It's Video Night. <laughs> what is this? And Video uh, Night. That's it. Uh, next month, we'll have another new lineup of whatever topic we're going to discuss. I don't know. What are we thinking? Uh, at least, road movies, right? I, there, uh, look, I have road movies. I have surreal movies. And I have stupid good movies. Not stupid bad movies. I think we should do road so. trip movies next. Not, not road trip, but road movies. Like, okay, Hitcher might be one of them. Okay. Wait, what's the difference? That was a road trip. Sort of, uh, yeah, road. It happens on the road is what I'm talking about. Okay, So, okay. yeah, it could be road trip. So, dual. Be... Okay, so you're saying, like, the difference, like, road trip with, like, Dumb and Dumber. That's, like, uh, where they stop town to town and have a little adventure. Those kind of, that's, like, little, like what a road trip pattern usually is. 
But you're talking. It can be like, that. It can be it can anything. Be that. Like, it, can it can be, be dual. It movie. can be Jeepers yeah, Creepers. The dual. <laughs> Jeep. Yeah, it can be all sorts of stuff. So okay. um, we have to we have to whittle down a list yeah. for you guys so that this These... doesn't go on for hours. I know we're at almost an hour and a half right now. <laughs> all right, huh. so go ahead and do your pitch. Pitch? I don't have a pitch. No. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Pitch is uh, Threadless has a big sale coming up real quick. All right, and your or website. Maybe... I, I don't know. They always have sales, so okay. buy my satanic shirt. It's not really satanic. It's, and, whole, it's Saint, Saint, Saint uh, Lucifer's Holy Goats. But and Jamesco, I, I, dot com. Those shirts are just awesome. All of them are just really unusual and cool, and I like them. Thank and you. Um, I guess just check us out at Facebook, Retro Rocket Entertainment. Website is retrorocketentertainment.weebly.com. And check out our rest of our episodes, all listed there. Have a good night. Ciao.